Welcome to The Podlight, the audio collaboration between Silicon Valley Synergy and San Jose Spotlight. I'm your host, Bob Stedler. We have a great show today. We'll be talking about how San Jose Mayor's ally helped Bloom Energy skirt a natural gas ban and higher water bills coming to San Jose residents. Our first story deals with the power of influence at San Jose City Hall. It was pretty dramatic the way that the city's proposed natural gas ban ordinance was changed in a short period of time because of Carl Gardino's friendship with the mayor of San Jose. They socialized together, bike ride together, and Carl raised large sums of money for the mayor twice as a city council member and two more times as mayor. It reversed a year's worth of outreach and crafting a policy to create an exemption for only one company, Bloom Energy. Sonia, why don't you give us a thumbnail for the story that came out? Basically, um, the story is about the decision that San Jose City Council made back on December 1st to exempt uh, Bloom Energy and distributed energy resource systems from its natural gas ban for new commercial buildings. And we took a look back uh, at records and, you know, talked to people who had been working on the ban um, and, uh, you know, just wanted to paint a picture about how this lobbying effort influenced um city staff and city council's vote on the issue. So it was a fun story. Tron, maybe you can get into the lobbyist uh, reporting. I'd be kind of curious to see. It did seem like it was a mad scramble at the end. Yeah, so I think when this play out publicly, everyone was really caught off guard um, because the exemption that specifically benefit Bloom Energy was introduced one day before um, the meeting where the city council was initially was going to vote on this exemption or on the natural gas ban altogether, right? Um, so we went back and we request uh, communication between Bloom Energy um, and all of its lobbyists with um, city council members, um, with the mayors. Um, I also went and looked at the lobbying report, um, which are required by the city, um, and kind of piece together a timeline of how all of this come together. Um, and we've seen um, in that story, I actually did a, an, a visual timeline, and you can see that, you know, a couple days after the, fir- the first memo came out, um, Carl Gardino started calling the mayor um, with other Bloom Energy's executive. Um, And then you see this campaign that is really bombarded um, city council members and city officials. Um, You see that Carl Gardino and Bloom Energy executive met with um, ESD uh, city officials multiple times before the two supplemental memos came out. Um, and you know, you don't see that with um, other environmentalist, um, environmentalist groups. Um, <clears throat> and you see uh, emails that sent to city council members like over Thanksgiving weekend. Um, and then, you know, like on the day that they was on the day that the city council was supposed to vote. You see Carl Gardino has a scheduled phone call with the mayor. And then you also see that he sent out, you know, nine emails to nine city council members 
we requested those emails and we never got them from the city. Um, so we don't know what exactly was said in those. Um, we'll continue to fight for those records, but it's just, you know, it raised a lot of questions. Yeah, I, I watched this all play out in, in real time when it happened. And it really, two two things that really kind of shocked me is one, how did Bloom Energy not know this is happening you know, in 2019, they already kind of tipped their hand that this was kind of coming down the line. And I think everyone kind of saw from the housing industry to other, you know, folks who have, you know, gas as part of their business was advocating for, you know, different changes to it, um, you know, where they had changes to the, you know, hospitals and to other, you know, hardship situations. Um, for exempted hospitals, food establishments, and manufacturing facilities. That made sense. But what did you get any sense of why it caught Bloom Energy so off guard? Uh, that is something that they we raised that question to. Um, and we were also kind of surprised because city officials did say that, you know, the outreach efforts lasted for over a year. Um, they talked to over 200 people and over 60 organizations. Um, this is a, you know, a very, um, you know, it's a, the natural gas ban was a landmark decision, right? It's really um, put San Jose as a leader in fighting against climate change. So it was, Bloom Energy never respond to why or you know, why this this was not on their radar for over a year. Um, but they, in, in communication with city council members, they said that uh, we didn't, we weren't um, made aware of this ordinance four days before the initial vote, which is November 17. Um, so it's, I, I, I have no idea, um, but that's what they say. Yeah, I also find it troubling that city staff won't disclose to you or Sonia what was um, requested to be changed in the staff report and what in the staff report changed. Um, I think your story kind of says it's kind of highly unusual. Um, So the city didn't disclose any of those documents as well? Sonia did talk to city officials who drafted... um, I mean, who wrote the supplemental memos. Um, and the, and when we pressed them um, on this question of what kind of language did Bloom Energy send to us and, um, you know, whether the city ended up using those language, they said that it's not unusual for stakeholders to send language and that, quote, they read it. Um, but they did not disclose, you know, the emails that was sent, um, including the language. And when we asked, so did you use the language? They say they consider it. Um, so that was their response. Yeah, I think it's um, disturbing how this kind of changed so dramatically. Um, you have a year's worth of, you know, outreach, all these different groups. And then it seems that one man at his own whim can dramatically change policy like that. You know, I think if you're if you're a grassroots organizer like Mothers Out Front, 
it must be extremely disheartening that one person's relationship with the mayor can dramatically change environmental policy that has been clear on with the path that, you know, Climate Smart San Jose has been on for a long time. Did you get any feedback from them on how they felt about that? Well, city officials definitely uh, defended their decision. Um, in those meetings uh, were two people. Um, one of them have now retired and he did not respond to um, our inquiries. So we don't know what his perspective on this is, um, but the other official definitely defended, um, you know, her decision on this. And she said that, you know, like city staff really overlooked or this is an oversight from city staff to not consider Bloom Energy and consider um, energy plants uh, in general in this exemption. Um, and they said after Bloom Energy brought this up, they decided that it was reasonable um, to add it in and, you know, they stand behind their decision. Yeah, I, I think uh, the city staff were put in an unenviable position on trying to defend their decision. I don't really think politically they had much of a choice. I really think it's disappointing that you have such a, a straightforward process you kind of indicated to everybody what your goals are and what you're trying to accomplish. And then at the last second, you get a record scratch situation and they completely pull a 180, not for an industry, but just for one specific company. And it'll be interesting to see if this has any political backlash for the mayor or any other council members from, you know, Mothers Out Front. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even council member Perales, he said, you know, like this is highly unusual that staff would make such a big change um, in the last minute. Um, and, you know, it's really all politics. Um, so, yeah, we'll be following the story um, and we'll keep at it. Well, great job to you and Sonia on, on this reporting that, that came out on Thursday. And for the next story, we have reporter Lloyd Olivon here to talk about the water bill rate hike for San Jose residents. Hello. How are you doing today? Good, good. So this uh, story is getting a lot of uh, buzz and a lot of people are really concerned about it. Why don't you give us a short summary of it? Yeah, great. Yeah, the uh, Valley Water, which is the wholesale water provider for the area for San Jose, they uh, give a presentation to the city council about them uh, raising water rates uh, and it's about what a nine and a half percent increase per month for for the next eight years or so and yeah that, that's a, just a a big jump from what customers are seeing now those go into effect in july but yeah that that is such a, a big jump from yeah what they're seeing now and, and, and they're using that income from the water rate increases to retrofit which is the the Anderson Reservoir Dam. And yeah, so it's been this constant, like, I guess, push and pull between, between the, the city council and um, Valley Water. And, and they've been negotiating. They, they've been trying to hold off on, on raising rates. They got Valley Water to, to stop that dur during the pandemic. But um, yeah, these, these rates are going to affect in July and the city council is looking to see if they can get Valley Water to 
implement something like a low-income program for individuals who just really can't stomach this 9.5% jump in, in water bills. Yeah, I, I listened to the uh, study session that the City of San Jose City Council had on it, and there's really a lot of limitations to what you can do. You can't charge certain people of certain incomes one price and lower-income people a different price, and I, it really kind of shows how... This infrastructure has to be paid for somehow, and it just, uh, you know, the aging dam and the water purification stuff, I don't see any other method for that uh, for-profit group to finance it. Yeah, yeah, it's like their hands are really tied. They, it's like they, they don't want to raise rates, but then they kind of have to, and, and they just have to get this retrofit done. <laughs> the one kind of nuance of this is the uh, how they're scaling up the rate increases, was kind of interesting on how they're jumping it over a short period of time. It seems like they could have softened the blow a bit, but I understand that, you know, I'm sure they must have some sort of financial model where they have to kind of, you know, get a certain amount of money so they can go bond off of the lease revenue. But do you think there, have you heard anything that makes you think this might not go through? It doesn't seem like uh, that it seems like they're you know pretty set on on having these these rates go up, but uh, the uh, low income program, uh, you know, I I believe it was Councilmember Arenas who, who said that they're um, trying to find a, a way to do, but um, it was really difficult to to find a way. But um, it'll be really interesting, really interesting to see you know how if they can implement you know, a program like that, uh, you know, for, for seniors and, and low-income residents. So, yeah, I'm hopeful to see that, that maybe at least that part of what the, city, the city's demands can, can be listened to. Yeah, it's, it's going to be something we're going to need to kind of watch yeah. because I think it's yeah. um, it just affects, you know, the people with, you know, fixed income and lower income that have been, you know, so economically devastated over the pandemic and and it will be interesting to watch, but I, I just, I think it's, it's an important thing that has to happen. It's just how it gets uh, increased over time is just hard and nobody ever likes to see rate increases, but a uh, great story and uh, look forward to reading more about it in the future. Thanks, Lloyd. This has been The Podlight, a collaboration between Silicon Valley Synergy and San Jose Spotlight. I'm Bob Stedler. We'll see you next week.